amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Monday, June the 22nd, 2015, and as always, I'm your host, John Hansen, and as we do each and every Monday at this same time over the same virtual airwaves of the Blog Talk Radio Network, we bring to you, through our New York studios, Kelly Barner's Buyer's Meeting Point, and what she provides you with is a perspective, I guess that's the best way of saying, a procurement perspective on some of the interesting news and events that are happening in the world of procurement, and this week is no exception as uh, Kelly shares with you an audio from Tim Cummins' uh, recent uh, speaking at a NEC seminar. And what he talks about is the changes in approach companies will need to make in how they facilitate collaboration through contracts. Now, you know, it's an interesting discussion because uh, just before we get into Kelly's uh, segment, uh, I remember writing about Tim's uh, post, uh, which indicated that, by and large, the majority of senior executives, when sitting at the negotiating table, tend to lie to each other about what they can do, by when they can do it, and for how much they can do it. So it is an interesting dimension or an added dimension to the conversation when you look in that context of traditional adversarial negotiation, how you then are able to, I guess what you could say, uh, apply a new principle or a new way of thinking in, in terms of managing uh, complex and what Tim refers to as uncertain contract outcomes. How do you collaborate more effectively? How do you facilitate that uh, and, and really tear down the walls of, of, of uh, I, I don't know if it's called mistrust, but certainly the way we have always done things in the past. And again, I'm talking about the adversarial approach. So, so this particular segment that Kelly's going to be talking about, I've got to tell you, it, it really has piqued my interest. So without further delay, here is Buyer's Mean Points, Kelly Barner. Thank you, John. I'm pleased to be back to present this next installment of my procurement podcasts. This week's guest audio is brand new. It was only posted to YouTube last week. In it, Tim Cummins, the CEO of IACCM, addresses the NEC user group at a recent seminar. NEC is a provider of contracts used to bring effective project management and procurement to construction and public works projects. The topic of Cummins' presentation was collaboration, why it matters, when it matters, and what it means, which is interesting because as he observed at the beginning of the presentation, most people likely think collaboration happens despite contracts, not because of them. He sets the stage by talking about how things have changed. We function in a world with more uncertainty and a greater level of adaptability is required in response. There is more regulation, market volatility, and disruptive technology. And in combination, these forces have contributed to the erosion of trust between people, 
companies, and government agencies. Let's listen to Tim Cummins talk about what procurement needs to do in response to these changing economic and business conditions. So what are the business needs, if you like, that result from what we're talking about here? Well, one aspect is certainly greater agility. The ability to operate in environments of uncertainty, to structure contracts in a very different way so that we are indeed operating much more towards milestone management. Go to the point of certainty, negotiate again, get to the next point of certainty, and negotiate again. So increasingly we're seeing agile forms of contract becoming more and more used. Very challenging to the way, of course, you put together and manage budgets. Risk competence is another of those areas that I think is absolutely under challenge. And we have to, of course, turn risk into a source of opportunity. Companies and organizations that can manage risk more effectively than their competitors will, of course, be those that win. We're also seeing an understanding that we must think more in terms of the continuum of a life cycle from opportunity or requirement identification right the way through to closeout. We need a far more integrated process and overview. Organizations are looking far more as well at the whole issue of compliance and sensitivity to the market. I thought this uh, study from, uh, published in the Financial Times in the middle of February was an interesting one. It found that uh, CEOs in Europe, when asked what are the two most important attributes for your business in today's economy, said that honesty and integrity are the two things that they must develop as business attributes. In other words, going back to that issue of eroding trust. Now where does this play? How does it play? Increasingly it plays with organizations that are looking and demanding the right cultural fit. Earlier in the video, which is well worth a watch in its entirety, Cummins spoke about management's frustration with the contract process, that it does not do enough to contribute to overall value creation and retention. Later, he talked about the number of wrong suppliers that are chosen as a result of segmentation and selection processes that overemphasize price rather than cultural fit or relational upside. From a more casual standpoint, I think of this as being like the difference between what makes for a fun date and what contributes to a successful marriage. Most people probably never ask questions on a first date, like, how good are you with plumbing and minor electrical work? Or, how healthy is your relationship with your mother? And yet, over the term of a successful marriage, both of these things can make or break a situation. If pricing is not a good parameter for judging relationships with our suppliers, then we have to think about what is. Because clearly, we have to have some pre-specified framework for selecting the companies we will form supply partnerships with. One thing we need to be able to do is to articulate and capture how any given supplier contributes to our agility. And the contracts we put in place with them should enable rather than restrict that. I completely agree with Cummins' statement that we have to see risk as something to be navigated well rather than avoided. And the fact that complexity and risk are both up shortens the distance over which we can see clearly and respond appropriately to changing factors. 
committing the company to anything longer than that time frame of clear sight is irresponsible. While some stock indirect contracts may still go through a traditional three or five year contract renewal cycle, that approach would be madness in more strategic volatile categories. Ironically, even as all of this instability is entering the supply chain, Cummins cautions against thinking of contracts as a legal weapon to be wielded in self-defense and against supply partners. They are better used, he said, as frameworks for business operations, particularly in how they are able to improve, facilitate, and speed up communication. Do you agree with Cummins that the distance to the effective planning horizon has shortened? How has that changed the processes and standards procurement or commercial management professionals put in place? Would you say that your management team sees the contract process as an aid or as a hindrance to value creation? If you have any thoughts or feedback, you can reach me directly on Twitter at Buyers Meet Point or on LinkedIn or by visiting buyersmeetingpoint.com. Please also listen to some of my other podcasts available through Blog Talk Radio as well as SoundCloud. Thank you, Kelly. You know, one of the things that came to mind, and I thought it was a, a really good analogy, you know, when you go out on a first date, you don't ask about plumbing or the mother's relationship, but both of these factors ultimately, ultimately uh, come into play. I think it goes much deeper than that. You know, what I see more often than not is this mindset of let's worry about winning the business first and worry about making it work later. And I think the contracting process that's been set up has been geared towards that. I, I think it actually drives a lack of transparency. You know, I mean, let's face it. When you're, when you're dealing with people you're trying to woo and win, you're always going to put your best uh, face forward or foot forward, whatever the, the case may be. And you are going to uh, highlight your strengths, and that's the key. But every organization, every stakeholder in every relationship has weaknesses, has inabilities to do certain things that may or may not become critical down the road. Now, complicating this, and, and, I, and I refer to a, a, a book by Andy Akrush, uh, Relationships First, the fact remains is, is that in many instances, when you start down a certain path with a contract, changes, factors that you don't anticipate can come into the picture, and you then aren't prepared for those things. And that's when the surprises of, of inability or those weaknesses tend to tend to really uh, become magnified. And so, you know, I, I believe this, that you have to, to truly collaborate effectively, is change the approach to, uh, to, to how you engage suppliers. Uh, you create an environment for where you will provide insights and uh, transparency into strengths. Uh, but you've got to have a mechanism for being able to assess not only the strengths, but also the weaknesses. And then moving forward, recognizing the fact that change is inevitable, that objectives will change, and they'll change from the buyer's side. You can't uh, uh, legislate uh, compliance or performance. Contracts are there as a guide. Uh, they're necessary and important, but they become literally useless when one party can't deliver. That's why 80-plus percent of all, let's say, e-procurement initiatives fail to deliver the result. All of them had contracts. All of them went through the elongated process of engagement but ultimately all failed because they didn't encourage and stimulate that open discussion that is necessary. I guess at the end of the day, what Kelly's saying is, is if you can't do plumbing or electricity, 
get it out of the way and mention it right off the bat. Is for your mother's relationship or your relationship with your mother? Well, that's another interesting conversation. But you've got to get this out on the table to begin with. And the buying organization has to then take a, a, a more uh, broader view of relationship engagement in that regard. So just a very, very interesting point. Collaboration is a will. It's an act. It's a, a willingness to work together and anticipate the fact that there is no perfect provider, uh, that uh, situations change and, and requirements evolve uh, based upon uh, both internal and unknown external circumstances. So you've got to be able to work together and do so honestly. Anyway, Kelly, just another great, great uh, uh, soundbite and, and, and certainly a perspective worth uh, contemplating. I want to remind everybody that each and every Monday at this same time over the same virtual airways of the Blog Talk Radio Network, we'll bring to you Byron's Meeting Point, uh, Kelly Barter. If you weren't able to join us live today, not to worry because every segment is uh, recorded, which means that you can tune in on an on-demand basis, which is just one of the great, great features of uh, Internet radio in particular, Blog Talk Radio. So until we come at you over these airways again, I remain your host, as always, John Hansen. Have a great week. Bye for now. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.